With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better. Wake them up, get them up, get them going Wednesday on BNE. Off we go. Four hours of fun and conversation begin right now here on the show with the people plenty to do. NBA play-in tournaments last night, Major League Baseball, Longhorn Baseball. And so NFL Draft is two weeks from tomorrow. We'll dive into the National Football League, some developments there as well. We've got a lot to cover because the Buck is back, and we're excited to have him. Got to catch up on some things. And say so he's missed, been out the first couple of days of the week, and uh, good to have him back in the house. And we appreciate you being there wherever you find us each and every morning, as long as you can, uh, at 104.9, maybe 101.9 FM, AM 1260, and always streaming. Take us wherever you go on that Horn app, always on your smart speaker at home or work, and always, Mr. Godbolt, streaming live, local, and digital on the uh, Horn app, on the Twitch channel at hornfm. Good morning to soldiers at Fort Hood, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do. It is appreciated. And thank you very much for those well wishes. I do appreciate it, Ian, to all the folks. I got some email and, uh, of course, some text messages. Thank you very, very much. Everything went according to my plan and God's plan, but I have one little deal that has to be a little biopsy. And other than that, everything came out well. (laughs) My goodness. You feel a little lighter? Dude, I, I'll tell you what. Bucky had a colonoscopy on Monday, which means the Sunday before you were fasting. It's Easter, yeah. Great Easter <laughs> dinner. Like zero. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I was nothing. thinking about you while I was gouging the ham. Oh, my goodness. I still have the ham in the refrigerator. The the prep work at 5 o'clock till then at midnight, waking up at midnight, 1230, and starting the process all over again was not tedious. It was absolutely amazing. I think what they do now, they mix gunpowder, just white gunpowder, then you pour water into it, 16 ounces of water, and you drink it down within a half hour. you got a half hour to drink this stuff and then drink another 16 ounces of water behind it. I did that twice. It was totally amazing what stuff can do to your innards, what gunpowder can do inside you, because that's all it could be. Brought it all out, huh? Oh, my goodness. That's probably good for you. you got to clean yourself out every now and again. Oh, that was, a, that was a cleansing. And the fact that the procedure itself takes 20 minutes. 
That's all it. That's all it took. Twenty minutes. I was the actual procedure on Monday morning. Yeah, the the best thing that happened when I was at the hospital was it's a wonderful facility, kind of new on six twenty in B Cave and Lakeway. There, a new facility you go into, and the people were wonderful there. The best thing I got were those socks that they give you, the ones that you don't slip on the floor. They don't. <laughs> they give you those rubber bottoms. Those are cool. I well, kept those. Glad you did those that. Those were home with me. Hey, I'm Love 50 it. now. I'm doing that at one point this year. Yeah, get that on the cl- on the clock here on the schedule. Coach uh, Harrington was uh, making yeah. sure yesterday. I'm going to get locked in on that. Yeah, my you need to get locked in on year. that. But uh, yeah, I will get that done for sure. Preps prep sucks. They have a new deal that they use now. It's way more potent than the other ones where you used to drink so much water, like a gallon of water. This one is. There's not that much water necessary because this goes through you, in you, and out of you. <laughs> Just clean you out. Good oh for you. Good for you. I'm I glad guess you did it is. that. But uh, I did that. Uh, I had my cataract procedure a couple weeks ago on a Friday morning, and it took like 10 minutes. I didn't take my shoes off. They just locked that thing in. I was done, man. All they do in is a new lens in my right eye, and bang. Get into that operating room. They turn, they turn, They said, turn on your side, and they prop a pillow behind you. Next thing I know, I was back in the room with my wife. I'm like, is oh, that, that it? How about, that, that's it? How about that little, uh, well, for you as an addict, that's interesting, too, because you've had to, to battle. But how about uh, that, that little five or six seconds of, and they give you the juice? Well, it, oh, this was, come on now. I don't even remember anything going over my face. I just remember stuff in my arm, and then that was it. You, I didn't, you were out? This is the, obviously, this is the first time I never got an opportunity for somebody to say, count from 100 backwards. I never got a chance. No one even said the words. You were I'm waiting out. like, hey, doc, you want me to count back? I mean, no, I just was out, and then it is uh, – it's something that you, it's something that you just have to do, and I'm just waiting for this thing for the next seven days to hope that there's nothing going on. Last time everything was clear and clean. This one was one little deal that was there. So, I've, right. been, I've been eating bad for the last 14 years because that was the last time I had one done. I think we figured that out. It's been 14 years. Well, while you're, uh, I'm glad you're back, of course, and I look forward to fun today and in the rest of the weekend of the spring game on Saturday for the Longhorns. Uh, we'll, we'll get the headlines here. I wanted to ask you about the Masters because I know while you were uh, cleaning out, you got to maybe watch a little bit mm-hmm. between trips to the bathroom to watch John Rahm win the Masters. Uh, we'll get some thoughts on that coming up uh, from you, also uh, some other things. But let's get to the trending topics, he- headlines to uh, launch your Wednesday. Make sure you're fully aware and in the know. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Start with Texas Baseball, who faced Texas State for the second straight night last night at the Dish. Uh, well, first game was down at San Marcos, and for the second straight year, Longhorns and Bobcats have split the two-game series, both winning on the other's home field. Longhorns, of course, won on Monday night, but the Cats rolled last night 9-3. to uh, Longhorns playing their fifth game in five days. Texas State jumped on the uh, depleted Texas pitching staff, pounded out 13 hits against six Longhorn pitchers. Longhorns, meanwhile, pushed across single runs in the first, second, and seventh, and they finished that five-day stretch at 3-2, and 24-11 on the year for head coach David Pierce. They'll be in Waco this weekend for a three-game Big 12 series with Baylor. Texas State will host Marshall for three down at Bobcat Ballpark. Major League Baseball last night. Rangers walked off the Royals in Arlington. Texas catcher Jonah Heim connected on a no-doubt-about it three-run bomb in the 10th for an 8-5 win for Texas. In Pittsburgh, meanwhile, the Astros got walked off. The rookie, Ji-Hwan Bay, launched a game-ending three-run homer in the ninth off of Ryan Presley. They win it 7-4. Del Diamond yesterday afternoon, Round Rock opened a six-game homestand with a 10-2 win over Tacoma. Same two tonight at 7-05. Also last night, Tampa Rays, the talk of baseball, they extended their season-open winning streak to 11 they're 11-0 now. They beat the Red Sox 7-2. Sizzling Rays have now tied the 81 Oakland A's for the third-best opening stretch in a Major League Baseball season history. Uh, and an NBA play-in tournament last night tipped off. 7-8 seed matchups in both conferences. In the West, the Lakers 
Out in L.A., rallied from 15 down in the second half to force the Timberwolves into overtime. They then claimed the seventh seed with a 108-102 win to set up a matchup with Memphis in round one. In the East, the Atlanta Hawks surprised the Heat in Miami, 116-105. They'll set up a round one series with the Boston Celtics. Both losing teams last night will now await the winner of tonight's 9-10 seed matchup games in the East and the West. Uh, Big Ten Conference has hired former MLB and television executive Tony Petiti to be its new commissioner. Petiti taking over for Kevin Warren, who took a job in the NFL with the Chicago Bears. He will take control of the top revenue-producing conference in college athletics. Spent the uh, last decade working for Major League Baseball. Before that, he served as an executive at ABC, CBS, and NBC. Trade the NFL yesterday. Detroit Lions sending cornerback Jeffrey Okuda to the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth-round pick. Okuda was the third pick of the draft just three years ago. And in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers star linebacker Devin White has requested a trade. The 25-year-old tackling machine is entering the final year of his rookie contract. In hockey, Texas Stars lost on home ice last night to Manitoba 7-5. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Yeah, Akuda was a, a third, th- pick. third pick. Yeah, that didn't work out for the Lions, but uh, this is a new new regime. It's the Dan Campbell in the, oh, yeah, that's right. uh, new general manager regime, and he's just not not one of their guys, apparently. And so, yeah, they, they gave up on that. But uh, a lot of people think Atlanta can use him. Atlanta needs a corner. And Jeffrey Akuda, has, out of Ohio State, has not oh, yeah. been that good uh, in his time. He's been injured, uh, suffered an injury in his rookie year. and. He's only um, played in about ten games. Yeah, they they pick up the uh, you know the fifth round pick and they'll move on from Okuda. Uh, Atlanta hopes to find some lightning in the bottle with a, a high end player for not a lot. Uh, and then Detroit, we know, has you know two two picks in the first eighteen of the draft in two weeks. They sixth pick, they could likely go corner buck there at six unless one of those great defensive linemen, you know, Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson falls to them. And Aaron Glenn's still the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, they're yeah. He knows about secondary guys. He for does. Sure, he knows how to coach the corners, and that's their biggest issue, right? I mean, they uh, they've tried to address their their secondary and free agency, and now they trade Okuda. They are likely to use one of those two first round picks on a corner. Well, it's it's a it's crazy because both those teams, Detroit and Atlanta, two of the worst secondaries in football. Yeah, uh, clearly Detroit is moving on from Okuda, and they're yeah. going to try to replace him in this draft. Uh, with a young player that they like, and you know the, the the Illinois corner Devon Weatherspoon could be a pick there, or later in the kid you like from Penn State, yep. you know Porter Jr. Uh, could be a spot for him. Uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon is a top corner, so you know we're really zeroing in on this draft, uh, which is coming up in two weeks. Before we get to some uh, uh, Texas football news, because they wrapped up, you know they had a practice yesterday morning, they've got a practice tomorrow, and then it's the spring game and it's over for the Longhorns for the spring. So we'll talk some Texas football coming up, Longhorn baseball. Just ran out of pitching, it felt like, last night against Texas State. Uh, we'll get into that as well. But uh, how about the uh, play-in games? How about Anthony Davis? L.A. Lakers down 15. They rally to get the game, and Dennis Schroeder nails a three with one second to go, and the Lakers up go up three, and they're going to win this game. And on the other end, Anthony Davis, just a no, just a brain fart foul of Mike Conley on a three-point, like a kind of a miracle three-point attempt to win the game. Only had a second left, oh, and, yeah. he, and he commits the foul. Conley goes to the foul line, makes all three foul shots. Now they're in overtime. Of course, the season's not over if you lose, but if you lose, you've got to play another game, uh, and you could drop to the eight seed uh, instead and face the one seed, Denver, in round one. And uh, Davis, I mean, you're, you're better than that. You don't, you don't foul in that moment. Lakers aren't going very far oh because they, if, they don't beat, if they don't hammer Minnesota without two of their best, Rudy Gobert wasn't playing. And then their, their other guy, wasn't he the dude to punch the wall? 
the other night. Yes. Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. yeah, I mean they had two guys. That and game they were still down fifteen. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, what a what a brain fart for Anthony Davis, and that's what he called it afterwards. He was asked about it because he, you know, Dennis Schroeder should be the hero, hits the game winning shot from the corner. Lakers are you know onto the playoffs, and instead they have to go win it in overtime because Davis decides to to foul on a, a silly silly foul. Uh, but Jay called it a brain fart. He messed up, and he just can't do them. It's yeah, the I playoffs, mean, man. And for Atlanta, I mean, the Boston Celtics must be licking their chops, going nice. Well, they, they, yes, the top seeds should make yes. quick work of these. But the Lakers still have LeBron and Anthony Davis and Schroeder, and they made those trades at the deadline, and they're playing better basketball to fight their way. I mean, it's, it's like through the deadline, the, the Lakers went from the bottom up and the Mavericks went from in the playoffs out. Uh, those two really replaced them, one another in the Western Conference playoffs. And I know there's a lot of uh, conjecture and conversation in Dallas about the Mavericks and uh, Mark Cuban under fire right now from the Dallas media for his handling of that team, the the decision to not go for the playoffs at least and hold on to that protected 10th pick of the draft. Uh, Luka Doncic, is he dis- disgruntled at this point? They didn't re-sign Jalen Brunson and let him go to the Knicks where he's been a stud for them, and now they're going to, you know, the, the the Mavericks conversation is that, that you know, Jalen Brunson went to the Knicks on a contract. Uh, Mark Cuban's blaming the uh, the father, Rick Brunson, for the for letting him get away. He's become a great player with the Knicks, and now they've got Kyrie Irving, who everywhere he's been has been a toxic figure, and you're going to have to pay Kyrie Irving twice what you would have had to pay Jalen Brunson to get mm-hmm. back. And Maverick fans are saying, why don't we just re-sign Brunson and then try to build around those that group instead of what they're doing now with uh, two offensive players, no defense. So a lot of conversation with the Mavericks. Lakers into the playoffs. Uh, and the Hawks' storyline is uh, Quinn Snyder. How about him showing up? Now they're in the playoffs. So, you know, Quinn Snyder, the former uh, Austin Spurs coach. And they're trying to get rid of their, their sooner dude. Trey Young. Well, he had 25 last night. I know, but then they're still they're thinking about another destination for that dude, which I – really? Well, he's – He's good. He can score, but uh, the rest of it isn't. I mean, he had early Steph Curry comparisons, but I don't think we're going there. But yeah, they're in the playoffs, and Quinn Snyder's yeah. since taken over there has done a really nice job uh, and gotten them back in the mix. And so we'll see. The playoffs will begin this weekend. Now, was Atlanta in the playoffs last year too? This is their yeah. second year in a row, right? Yeah, they were in the Western Conference Finals three years ago. Yeah, they were. They seemed like they were on a track, and now that's why they fired their coach in the season and brought in Quinn Snyder. And he's kind of helped them get where they are. But now the playoffs begin. Of course, you got the games tonight, the 9-10 matchups. Then winners there will play the losers from last night with Minnesota and the, and the Heat. So the, the Timberwolves and Heat can still get in. They just have to, to play the loser, the winner of tonight's games uh, coming up well, on Well, the Heat Thursday. shouldn't be. I mean, that, that's a group that's been in playoffs. They shouldn't be losing to Atlanta. And where's Jimmy Buckets? Tyler really? Hero and that crew uh, with their expulsure. So NBA uh, front and center last night. Texas baseball, Longhorns fall 9-3. to uh, you kind of felt like with that five games and five day stretch, because of the the weather into Easter, that uh, they were just going to run out of some arms. And uh, they tried. They ran out uh, you know, some freshmen last night that hadn't pitched before uh, in this game. Um, the kid, the Connor, the kid Connor O'Bannon, uh, the freshman from Dripping Springs, made his college debut last night. Got his first college strikeout. And uh, Cody Howard and Max Grubbs, these guys we haven't seen as uh, David Pierce going deep into his into his pitching staff to try to get through this fifth game in, in as many days, and they fall 9-3. And we know Texas State can really hit. Texas State, with Steve Trout, they're a very offensive team, and uh, Longhorns got the win in uh, San Marcos on Monday night. They fall last night. They go 1-1 one and one and 3-2 and two in the five games. They're off to Waco. And the more important thing is to get thing, get some get some rest and get themselves ready for that series in Waco because oh, Baylor, yeah. Baylor on record-wise, at the bottom of the Big 12, but they're playing better of late. They were really – got a new coach – uh, who came in from McLennan Junior College. They're trying to rebuild some things, and they were awful 
in the first month and a half of the season before conference play. Their pitching staff was just getting bombed, and they're playing better now. They've won a they won their con- they beat Oklahoma State in a series this past Easter weekend. So Longhorns headed to Waco this weekend, and we'll talk to David Pierce tomorrow. So Longhorn baseball center stage. We also got Longhorn, Longhorn football, but I want to talk to you about the Masters a little bit and uh, your thoughts on John Rahm uh, winning. At Augusta, you know, he was a guy we talked about way back in December. Is this kind of a year where John Rahm breaks out and starts? Uh, you know, well, putting... the, the stage was set for that dude. Just was they had to come and get him, and he just was unbelievable. Yeah. I, I just thought he was so consistent and and hitting the ball in the right places at the Masters. I I I wasn't expecting that from him. You know, in the beginning, I thought that the, the pressure would he would get hot headed and and screw some things up, but he didn't. I mean, he was calm and cool throughout. You know, he had a couple times where he was like, oh, shucks. But other than that, it, it wasn't that normal blow-up by Rom. you know, where you, where you could see he, he was – kept his emotions under – He kept under. his emotions under-wrapped. And, I mean, that just seems like a place that you just have to be cool. Things can ha- things will happen. Things are going to happen at that place, no matter what the weather's like or whatever. It's just – Augusta, I mean, I I mean, I heard the young guy, Sam Bennett, said I played at tougher courses. I like, I was like, dude, you need to keep that to yourself. I, it, it's not the court. I mean, it's – it's the pressure of that place. I'm, I'm pretty sure you play maybe a tough, tougher courses, but it's just that whole that atmosphere there. You could just even as just watching it on TV, you just could feel the tension, you know, yes. on every well, putt, every shot. The, yeah, I said there were there were, you know there's some people talking about how because Brooks Kepka shot 75 in the final 18 and, and kind of fell apart uh, that there wasn't pressure on John Rahm. There was you know some podcasters. There's a really popular podcast talking about that and. Uh, Nick Faldo retweeted that and said, you guys don't know what you're talking about. There is always pressure at Augusta. Yeah. You're one bad shot from everything opening up. And we've seen it over and over again. Uh, players you know, blowing up you know, on, through Amen Corner or put a ball in the water. All of a sudden, everything changes. Gosh, you think about... Uh, and I still felt like Jordan Spieth is getting closer and closer. Well, I thought he. I thought he was okay. He only shot 66. He's, just, he's not putting four rounds together, no. which is what it takes. But he was right there. Uh, but, you know, to say there's no pressure at Augusta, how many times over the – that's what you – know, Sam Bennett shouldn't say things. By the way, also Sam Bennett and Patrick Cantlay should play faster. What are you guys doing? Well, you're, 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 you mean Patrick Cantlay should be ashamed of himself for his display this weekend. I mean, you're playing – we're way back of the leaders. You're playing ahead of the leaders. And you're going to go play a five-hour round or five-plus-hour round yeah, and to like, like play like the human rain delay? Are you kidding me? Can we go? Even his playing partner, Victor Hovland, was about to wrap a club around his head. Uh, what are we doing? And Sam and Hovland Bennett, generally plays pretty quickly. He now. does, and that's the worst thing. When you're a fast player playing with a slow player, uh, that'll grind your gears in a big way. And Sam Bennett's the same way, by the way. He put on a tremendous showing, mm-hmm. which we got to pick up the pace here. I know we have a routine, but there is a pace of play that is, uh, uh, you know, within the, the the framework of the game, especially when you're playing ahead of the leaders. And you got uh, you know Rom and Kepka back there hanging on their bags, waiting for you two. Can we go? Um, come on, let's get this thing going. But either way. Uh, there was pressure, and again, how many times have we seen a player in control of the tournament like Rom was once they made the turn? Blow it, right? Give it up. Oh, yeah. I saw the special on Saturday where they're talking with uh, Jack Nicholas. There was a really cool special Saturday ahead of their coverage where you know uh, Trevor Immelman sat down with Jack and Tiger and Scotty Scheffler, and they were just talking about their Masters wins. And of course, you know Jack has won you know his six Green Jackets, and Tiger has five, and Scotty has one, uh, and you know. They were reminiscing about the '86 win for Jack Nicholas when he won it at 46 years old, 
But Seve had to collapse at that. Seve had to put it in the right. water on uh, one of those par fives, and it allowed Jack to go win the tournament. That's the point of when you say there's no pressure on John Rahm. Of course there's pressure. There's pressure on every shot. If you make one bad shot, everybody's back into the field, and that was the case in that situation. Well, I, I think the lengthening of number 13 was really cool yeah. for them to do. That That used to look too too easy. You know, when they had it up there 35 yards, they'd go around the corner, yeah. and everything was everybody's on it, too. I mean, even the short knockers are getting on in two, but this one puts you at a spot that you really, really had to make some decisions. Well, I and thought, I thought John Ron, I thought a lot of guys played that really, really well. It's just, you know, it's good for the big bombers, but boy, you have to shape your shots there now. And I thought they shaped some really nice shots. I thought John Rahm hit the ball pretty good right to left, and, you know, and he well, just kind of fades his deal a lot. A little cut, and you got to play that right to uh, the left to right to be effective yeah. with the Masters. And uh, you know, we, we talked about it on Monday, but John Rombach had an historic ball striking weekend. Uh, he had 86% of the fairways and 72% wow. of the greens. That That is on par. The last two players to play that well tee to green were Jack Nicklaus in 86 and, and Ben Crenshaw in 95. That's how good John Rahm was this weekend with the clubs and putted well enough. And, you know, you mentioned Jordan Spieth. Um, well, Jordan is playing, I think, this week in Harbortown. That's where I think he won last year. So he's back. He's right back at it. Right back. Rory. He just looks like a guy that needs to just keep on playing. It was interesting to me because one of my picks going in was Rory. I thought watching him here in Austin, I felt like he was in a really good place. He and seemed he, pressured in this deal. He just didn't seem locked in. Yeah. And asked afterwards when Roy McElroy just really was non-competitive, uh, was it physical, mental, psychological? And he said the third. I mean, he, yeah. just, he just wasn't locked in. And you kind of knew that early when he uh, was doing the interview on the course while playing in the Masters. Well, people the, are telling him this This is his. I mean, they just put so much, he put a lot of pressure on himself, and I think people put a lot of pressure on him, too. Well, he's and he the face take of the that. PGA side yeah. now. And now he, John Rahm can be that, too. Absolutely. With his win of the green jacket and obviously the live PGA conversation. Dude, I have never rooted against somebody like I rooted against Kepka. I'm serious. I, in golf, I just generally, hey, it is what it is. You play, you win, whatever. But I was rooting that guy would hit the ball up in the trees. I mean, I, I felt terrible. I never generally root against somebody. He was not good on Sunday. <laughs> no, he was not. Uh, and the par threes were really his nemesis. He, he bogeyed uh, all the short holes, it felt like, except for 16. or f- f- 16. Uh, bogeyed the other three par, f- par threes uh, and coughing it up and shooting 75. But, uh, yeah, so the Liv, it was a good weekend for Liv as far as that goes. They Absolutely. had you know, three guys in the Phil top five. Was a, and Phil was amazing. Phil became oh, the man. story uh, with his 65 on Sunday. Uh, the Longhorns, Jordan Spieth, finished in, you know, tied for fourth and, uh, Scotty Scheffler ended up finished tied for ten. His Scotty putting just didn't was putt. Bad. Yeah, God, he missed so many putts that he normally can make, and we've seen him make to win major, to win championships. He was just a bad with the, the flat stick this weekend. He's gonna have to go figure that out because we said <laughs> you look at the analytics and the numbers. T to green, Scotty Scheffler, if he putts well, we'll have a chance to win it. He didn't putt well um, by any stretch. And uh, looks like a dude that needs a week or two off. Yeah, he's he's been grinding at it, and they'll go to Harbor Town for the golf, and uh, so. We'll certainly cover that as a. But it was fun. I, I I mean I enjoyed it. I I, I enjoyed the live guys were there. I mean I I was watching Phil. I'm like Phil. You, there's no way you're doing what well, you're the, doing, the, are you? The uniqueness of it was we. It was almost like the the British Open that you had morning golf and afternoon golf. Sure. You had a whole day of the Masters, and of course you didn't get any on Saturday as far as the live coverage on CBS because the rains came in. But you got you know the full day. Boy, they were fun. fortunate with that tree. Those three trees snapping there. Wow. Oh my gosh. Can we hear from Phil Mickelson? By the way, I thought this was interesting. Uh, this, you know, Phil has become, you know, kind of a, a nemesis and he's wearing all black and he's kind of embracing that role. He's taking the money from Liv and is the face of that tour now, along with Greg Norman. 
And uh, but he shot sixty five, and he you know he was kind of uh, booed and jeered to start the weekend, but by the end they were cheering him. Yes, uh, because he's the oldest player ever to you know finish in the top five at fifty two years old. Also, it was cool he was asked about John Rom because we know John Rom is a kid, who, young guy who went to Arizona State, and Phil Mickelson's brother was his coach. Yep, at Arizona State, and here was a go. Here were some questions for Phil after the Masters about uh, any doubt that John Rom was going to get to this point at some point. Phil, you and your brothers have been mentored to John. Uh, did you see a major champion or a master's champion in him when you started talking to him first? And uh, just just tell us about what you thought of his performance over here. My brother Tim was his college coach for four years there at Arizona State. The first time I played with him, we played Whisper Rock. He shot 62, and uh, I thought thought I played pretty good, and he he – gave me a pretty good beatdown. So I, I am not surprised at his success. I mean, it was obvious to me at a very young age that uh, he's one of the best players in the world, even while he was in college. And to see him on this stage is not surprising to anybody, but um, it's hard not to pull for John, too. You know, he's such a good guy. He's got such a great heart. He treats people so well that uh, I, I think the world of him as a person and as a player, that's obvious how good he is. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, he was great uh, over the weekend. Historic with the uh, ball striking and John Rahm. Your Masters champion, Bucky, was out Monday, Tuesday. Just wanted to revisit that a little bit. Uh, we'll certainly take your thoughts on that. And uh, Phil came off pretty likable in this press conference and shot 65. It's not unlikable. He made the decision. It's his call. Yep. And there we go with uh, golf. He'll play Harbortown down there in uh, Hilton Head uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Buck, the uh, we'll get back into the football. I want to let you hear some sound from Steve Sarkeesian. Not only did Sark have a player of an availability yesterday after practice, he also was part of a podcast. You know, Ryan Clark, the ESPN Analyst, the former uh, safety in the NFL, mm-hmm. he and Fred Taylor and uh, who's the other guy, uh, Channing Crowder, they have a podcast. Those three guys get together and it's become, become very popular. It's called the Pivot Podcast. And Sark sat down with those guys, so we're going to play some sound from that. It's pretty interesting. More, more of a you know, we we hear Sark after these practices, and it's a real micro view of the program and the team and who's doing what and this practice and that and the scrimmage coming up. But this is a little more of a macro conversation about him, himself, the program, where he's at. So we'll hear some of that sound coming up. Uh, also, talk some Texas football as they head into the spring game this weekend. And let me say, good for the weather. Yesterday I was looking at my weather, my phone and the weather app, and there was a big 70% chance of rain on Saturday. Now it looks beautiful. Uh, yeah, sunny th- and 88. The, from this point on, it looks pretty good through the weekend. Chance for rain on uh on Friday, but everything else looking great this week and into the weekend. So it should be a great day. Seventies, that's fine. It's beautiful, great stuff, and looking forward to uh, the weekend. We'll have full coverage with pregame and the game itself on Saturday. We'll get a preview of that coming up. But the weather looks great uh, outside of Friday with a chance for some rain, but it should be perfect. So looking forward to it. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Craig Way has his report coming up, some b facts of the day. Your thoughts on the hoops games last night, baseball, break up the Tampa race. His team is uh, Come on, where are the Yankees else? at when you need them? <laughs> the Yankees did win last night. We'll be back, meeting on the horn. Mornings with Bucky and Aaron. Over the Hump Wednesday on B&E. Talk some Texas football coming up as they are... Approaching the end of their spring workouts, 15 of them. So 
see 14 practices, which 13th of those will be tomorrow. And then they'll have the spring game, orange-white scrimmage on Saturday at 1 o'clock. We'll have it for you live here on the Horn. Uh, our normal pregame crew, myself, along with Rod Babers and Mike Hards, will be live from Bevo Boulevard, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Getting you ready for the game. Craig Way, of course, will have the call with the crew. And uh, it'll be a, just like a game. And uh, we'll hear Steve Sarkeesian coming up. It's He plans to have a game. <laughs> They've had a good enough spring that's been competitive. And they're going to, you know, he was asked yesterday how they're going to pick teams. He said, I'm the, I'm the owner. I'm the general manager. I'll pick the teams. Jerry Jones, is he? <laughs> yeah, I'll let you play. I'll let you hear that coming up. But uh, Longhorns, it's. I think this can be pretty competitive. There's, uh, you know, three deep at a lot of positions, and they feel like they can get after it a little bit and have some fun. Now, again, it's practice, but you know, it's as close to a game as they'll yeah, get. Yeah, they're not going to hit the quarterback. Who was the coach? There's a coach somewhere pushing for. Uh, gosh, did you see this tie? There's a coach, a college coach, who's suggested maybe allowing spring practice games to be against an opponent. Like you play somebody in your spring game. Would you I always, before that? I, I always thought that would be cool. I mean, if there was ever a chance to play a team in your own state, like uh, like a Texas spring game against a Texas state, if they were willing to do that and not worry about getting their guys jacked up. But I always thought that would be okay. I mean, you don't have to I, – I don't, I don't think you have a full out, you know, the amount of time for a real, real game. I don't care if it's 10-minute quarters. Just I think that would be cool to go against somebody else. And it'd be good for the opposing team because somebody's always going to be better. I mean, if you're playing Texas against Texas State or, you know, Alabama against whatever, you know, I mean, that's just a great – I just think that's a great opportunity to, yeah, that, to that, do I, that. I, I don't think you're – as long as you don't feel like you're going to hurt somebody, which is football, you know uh, what I mean? I think it was Billy Napier. Billy Napier at Florida said he'd be open to that, uh, playing – you know, an opponent. Now, who's he going to play? Florida A and M, right? Well, the yeah, Rattlers. Yeah, would do. Would, you, would this do you any good to play a Texas State who's below you as far as the level goes? And but they're in. They're power five. I mean, they're in the sure. Sun Belt, so you could play it. If GJ Kinney, I don't know, any, a first year coach would want to go oh, there. I don't know if I was a first year coach. And you're I not going to. You're not going to play a a. a um, oh, also. Um, well, once again, you're going to have quick whistles. You're not let the quarterback get. You know, somebody comes in clean. That whistle's got to blow. Yeah. Can't take the quarterback's head off. Yeah, you'd have to have some ground rules, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, somebody said Hugh Freeze also said, yeah, I think that's right. That, it was Hugh Freeze at Auburn who said mm-hmm. it that I saw say it first, and then Billy Napier must have been asked about it. He said he was open to it. Uh, but, you know, the, the opponent would be interesting because you're not going to play a conference opponent. Because, no. You know, you're, oh, no. You're not playing Baylor. You're not going to have them you know, come down from Waco or you go up there, whatever. They're a conference opponent. You're going to start and charging you, people to get in, get like that opposing keep, team some money. You'd like to keep it close, again, you know, for as far as tra- travel goes. And I think within state would be kind of cool. It would be. But at the same time, it's just wrapping up spring practice and, uh, you know, go, go good on good. I think we'll see a lot of ones versus twos on Saturday. Um, but then I think when they get in the red zone, they get into some two-minute drills. That's typically in these scrimmages when they go good, good, you know, 1v1. Well, oh, they get into some goal line stuff, then they'll go ones and ones. For sure. Uh, the red zone uh, yep. is, is the likely spot. said so joint practices will be better. Well, that's true, too. I mean, we see that in the NFL, right? And, of course, college athletics, college football becoming more more like the pros uh, with the 12-team uh, playoff coming and yeah, if NIL. Yeah, if you had, you know, two days of joint practice, that would be kind of cool for the spring. And you know, that's what they do in the NFL, and then they play a preseason game. Yeah. So you could do similar in college football, and, you know, that... that then they that, have situational scrimmages. Yeah, and you would do little break-offs and... I would be for that. Uh, I don't know. What, does the NCAA have any rules against it? I don't know. I don't have that answer. So no, I don't. Uh, I don't need to see kickoffs and punt returns. I, I need to see you kick it. Yeah, you got to work on some special teams. It. Yeah, spe- special teams. But I don't. I can't see that. I, I like control scrimmages. Okay, 
like they do in the NFL. Uh, speaking of the NFL, we'll get some NFL news. We are three weeks out. Three weeks tomorrow is the NFL, or two weeks, I should say. Two weeks tomorrow is the NFL draft. We'll dive into some NFL conversations here. Also, get some B&E facts of the day, and we'll hear a bunch of Sark conversation coming up in our coach's corner about 7-10 of next hour. Must mention, though, Buck, the uh, the Tampa Rays are now two more wins away from the all-time, tying the all-time mark for best start to a season. They are 11-0. and They won 7-2 to last night. Beating the pants off the Red Sox now. Well, it's not just that they're winning. Their run differential is ridiculous. They're, they've now tied the Oakland A's for the most home runs in the first 11 games of the season way back. I mean, it's an old standing, long-standing record. They're, they've outscored their 11 opponents so far by 63 runs, 83-20. to 20. And they're not, outside of the one nothing win over the Red Sox on Monday night, they're not playing close games. They're beating the daylights out of people. Yeah. They're bashing the ball uh, at, a, at, a, at a record-setting 14, rate. Yeah, with 14 people in attendance. Yeah, they're having a great time. They're really good. And then I don't think the, the players care about the fan support. They're just they're just cranking. Uh, but when you when you hit like they do and hit the long ball like they do and you pitch, they're hard to beat because they can throw arms at you at the starting rotation. Now, it's Bears mentioning that they've played Detroit, Washington, Oakland, mm. and now the sorry-ass Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox. <laughs> Come on, Sox, really? Sox have two more chances at Tropicana Field to break the streak. They play tonight. They play Thursday afternoon at Tropicana. It's a four-game series with the Sox. If they were to win those two, though, uh, at home over Boston, they'd be to 13. And I don't, would, don't think I'm not cheering for Tampa right now. That would be the uh, you know the record because the record is the Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers with 13 straight to, to start a season. Uh, they got two more to get there, and then they would go to Toronto for a series, then Cincinnati. Uh, so they'd probably soon try to get this thing at home or just keep winning because that's what they're doing right now. Again, you outscore teams. You're, look, average score is 8-2 to two in these 11 games. 80-20 to 20 is what they've done so far. Really impressive for the Rays to start the season. Rangers got a walk-off win last night. Astros got walked off in the ninth inning. Their closer, Ryan Presley, gave up a gopher ball in a no-save situation. So we'll get you details on that coming up. Uh, in the headlines at the top of the hour. But the NFL news is this, Buck. This is intriguing. We mentioned Jeffrey Okuda uh, traded uh, yesterday from Detroit to Atlanta. Now the word comes from Tampa Bay, where the Buccaneers, their star linebacker, Devin White, has requested a trade. Now, Devin White, of course, was a top-five pick out out of LSU, and that's one of those eyebrow raisers when a linebacker goes that high in the draft. Linebacker not seen as a premium position, but the Buccaneers took him, and he's performed. I mean, he helped them win a Super Bowl. He's been a, their leading tackler. He also is great in you know, rushing the quarterback when they bring linebacker blitzes. He's great in coverage. He's a he's, young guy, 25. He's only 25 years old. And he's at the, you know, he's obviously frustrated with, with the Roquan Smith, who got traded to Baltimore and then got the big contract with the Ravens as the Bears traded him. And this is kind of the, the defensive version of the running back position, right? We don't draft linebackers high, and we don't want to pay linebackers big money. And that's why you don't draft running backs or linebackers high, because when you get to the end of their contract and they're playing really well, they want a big contract. And teams don't want to give linebackers and running backs big deals. That's kind of where this is at. My question is, will somebody give up something to get Devin White, much like the Ravens did to get Roquan Smith? I mean, he's a top-five talent. He's one of the best linebackers in the league. He's only 25 years old. But obviously, if you acquire him, he wants a new deal. He wants what Roquan Smith just got in Baltimore. I wonder. I, I, I have to believe there's interest. I have to believe there's teams looking at this saying, wait a second. Yeah, 25, yes. And has won a Super Bowl, has performed at an elite level. And he can get after it now. He can he can hit, he can tackle. He, he's, he's a player. 
And he's he's at every he's a three down linebacker. Uh, but he's a linebacker. Am I going to pay that guy that money? Well, I'm sure his agent is pushing the idea that look, he's look at his career sack numbers. He's he's just an every down player. Uh, he doesn't come off the field. He's 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 a plus in every every level, uh, whether it's coverage or, or attacking the quarterback or attacking the run game. But uh, I just wonder, you know, we're now two weeks to the draft. I wonder if somebody will give up something. Uh, now you're not going to give up first round pick to get no. a linebacker. That ain't going to ain't going to happen. And that's kind of like the Lions. You know, Jeffrey Okuda was the third pick in the draft. They just, you know, just three years ago, they just traded him for a fifth-round pick. So, you know, and then, of course, Tampa doesn't have to trade Devin White. If, and his options are to request a trade. If you don't get traded, you're either holding out or you're playing. Which means he's going to play harder so he can get more money. <laughs> he's right. not going out there and just sitting yeah. around. Well, he's looking at what, what – uh, and, and, look, that's also added to this with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After winning their Super Bowl – they're going to be pushing for the top pick this year, right? They're going to be – this is not a good team. They are not talented. And when you start looking at teams that – you know, because we know oh, – you missed this yesterday, but Cliff Kingsbury is back. Oh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is going to USC to coach quarterbacks, and they happen to have a good one in Caleb Williams, who likely he, along with Drake May from North Carolina, will be the top you know, quarterback conversations of next year. Uh, look, I think Tampa Bay is going to be in the conversation for – because they don't have a quarterback. They, you know, their their defense is, is aged. Uh, their offensive line isn't very good. Tom Brady is gone. Uh, you just that doesn't seem seem like a very good football team. Their one saving grace at Tampa is they they're in a bad division. Uh, the, yeah, hold the, on to that dude for one more year and then well, maybe get in the you know. Well, right now we know we have the the Panthers. It was the Bears with the worst record last year. The Texans. Well, Those, Tampa can show you how to 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 tank to tank. No, unlike your team, your guys we screwed it up. Yeah, screwed it up. They'll show you how to tank. Oh no, I, you don't want to hear what Adam Schefter said yesterday. In those regards, get me fired up. But uh, for Tampa, I, look, I look at Tampa. I look at Arizona as teams that aren't going to be very good next year, and they they'll probably be in that conversation to start tanking for a top quarterback. Uh, and you know, I guess Kyle Trask could surprise, and they did sign Baker Mayfield in Tampa, but. You know, they they seem like one of those teams that's trending in that direction. Is Hopkins staying? I mean, I don't hear any well, anything Hopkins, about him going anywhere. Well, here you go. Dronder Hopkins, you know, kind of begged his way out of Houston because he wanted a huge contract. He gets to Arizona, and he gets the big contract, and now he wants to be traded, but no one wants his contract. I mean, he's a thirty or early 30s receiver. So they'll be working out soon, and he won't be with them. He's not going to do anything. But no one can afford his contract for what he's what – he, what he's, we just saw Odell Beckham Jr. sign with the Ravens over the weekend for $18 million, bucks. $18 million, 15 guaranteed, and that seems overpriced. Look what the Cardinals owe DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that is a mega deal. And, and sure, a lot of teams would like to have DeAndre Hopkins on their team, but at that number, probably not. No. Uh, probably not going there. And, and now you got DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't want He wants to trade. Oh, no, he's not and going he's to not gonna, he's not gonna. He's not going to go to workouts. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to work out on his own. And this is why I look at Tampa and I look at Arizona as, as early contenders to be the top pick next year. I mean, there, there's um, some, there's some real – April. I mean, this whole thing with the Jets is a mess, too. I mean, they're not getting to do anything. They're, when, are, when, is, when is Aaron Rodgers going to make – I know deadlines, as you say, make deals, but my goodness, guys. Well, the deadline is two weeks for the draft. I mean, they got to – they got that that thing has to get done. He needs to be throwing to some of those young no, wide receivers. I don't think it's a problem until after the draft. This is, I mean, the, the Packers are going to wait until the last minute because they want to, you know, they want they want to get as much as they can before they complete the deal, and as much as they can comes up in two weeks with this draft. They're not the Jets are not giving up the thirteenth pick to make this happen or the fourteenth pick, whichever they have. They have they have thirteen, number one. Do but, they have two? Do they, they have two, two number twos? Remember, they traded with Cleveland Elijah Moore. To get a second second round draft pick, I'm pretty sure they're willing to give up one of the number twos. At least they're well that they wanted to give up one of them and then something next year, 
and the Packers want both seconds, and they'll give up Aaron Rodgers, but you know the Jets want to be able to build around Aaron Rodgers, sure. so they'd like to give up one of those twos and then something in next year's draft. Uh, and that's the stalemate right now, I think, between the Packers and the and the but Jets. But no number ones, right? Yeah, they're not going to give up a number one at this point. Um, and, but again, it's it, deadlines do make deals, sure. and uh, the the deal is consummated, and it's just about compensation. And so the Packers are going to you know play chicken with this all the way to draft night, I would imagine. Uh, see what we can get, and then we'll complete the deal. I bet that thing gets done because they got to get their quarterback out there doing stuff. And as long as you got sure. Aaron Rodgers still, well, the real work doesn't begin till after the draft. There's some mini camps happening, but. You know, they'll do a rookie minicamp right after the draft to right. bring in the draft class. Then they'll bring the veterans in. And that all starts May, June, uh, ahead of training camp, July, August. So uh, we'll, we'll talk plenty of NFL two weeks to the draft. Uh, we'll also talk more Longhorn football ahead of the spring game on Saturday. Get some B&E facts of the day coming up. You see the new Sunday ticket. NFL Sunday ticket is out on YouTube and what it's going to cost you. We'll get your details on that coming up. First, it's Craig Way. Aaron. That's right, reunited and it feels so good. The Buck is back and feeling great after his uh, procedure on Monday. Appreciate Monty and Ty jumping in here over the next two days. Ty Henderson is here as well. Some B&E facts of the day, Buck. We talked about the uh, the Rays. How about they've hit 29 home runs already this year. They've only allowed 20 runs total to their opponents. <laughs> that is the largest differential ever Um by a team over their first 10 games of a season or 11 games at this point. Also, Shohei Otani last night, seven innings of one-hit baseball uh, on the mound. He is now dating back to last season. Otani, seven straight starts with five innings pitched and three or fewer hits allowed. The guy is pretty much unhittable right now. Uh, that's the second longest streak in, streak in MLB history. And you're a hockey guy, Buck. How about the Boston Bruins? Oh, yeah, they broke the record. 133 points this season. This is one of those deals where you better win the cup. I mean, if you put under, you break the record yeah. for the regular season. We've seen that in other sports where they historic. I mean, the Boston, the New England Patriots were eighteen and zero, and then lost in the Super Bowl uh, to the, the Warriors. The, the year yeah. they broke the record too. That's Go, just Golden hard State. for me because that is a that's hard for me because I'm a Bruins and a Philadelphia Flyer fan. That's hard to do. Can't do that. I'm a Broad Street bully back in the day, but I don't. I still root for the Bruins more so because I worked for Bobby Orr. Well, when you you're that good, you got to finish it. What was there was a Seattle Mariners team back in the early 2000s won 116 games and then didn't win the World Series. I mean, it's got to finish those. But that's how good Boston has been this year on the ice in the NHL. So some yeah, my ex still has my uh, uh, my Uh-oh. signed Bobby Orr Uh-oh. stick and jersey. No. Oh yeah, framed. That I had done. Yes. Okay, well. Uh, I'm still going to say he's the greatest Bruin of all time, I, I would think. I'm not a, a hockey historian by any stretch. you got to so. believe that. I'll, I'll be or wrong. Or something like Bill Esposito and those guys that played with him. Hey, so uh, also on a B&E fact of the day, Ty, did you see the uh, latest episode of Succession? I still haven't watched it. Okay, I did, so I won't spoil it because it's a spoiler type of thing. I'll just say that was an unbelievable hour of television. What an episode. Good gosh. No spoiling, but uh, that is... And we get to the Emmy, the at the what do they give away? The Emmys. Emmys. That 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 episode, that show is going to win them all, and that episode was unbelievably compelling and well acted and well written and just gah. Hopefully you're watching. It's the final season of Succession of of on HBO. That show has become kind of a phenomenon. Uh, I will not spoil it because it's quite it's quite a spoiler if I would. But uh, the this the this the show, and the acting was just outstanding. Uh, really, really good. So that's a fact. That was really good. It's also National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. So uh, maybe you need to get yourself a 
Grilled cheese is underrated. That's an underrated delicacy if you do it right. Make it really good. Get the right cheese. Some fries with that bad boy. Yeah. Perfectly golden browned with enough butter. Yeah, I need some junk in me. With the again. right bread. I need to get the junk back yeah, in Yeah, you got to start junking it up. You got to start junking it up is right. Got to start back to getting a little bit of junk. Get some Snicker bars in me. Back to my stomach needs to be back to normal. Yeah, Isaiah, or maybe it does. Isaiah maybe Collier, I your guy Zay in the afternoon was telling, saying, calling it a, a colon a cockapaki or something. Colon acapaki. Oh, I don't know. He didn't pronounce it very well. Hey, somebody said uh, grilled cheese with tomato soup. Oh, that's the real deal. Oh. Now, it's getting too warm for that now. We're pushing 90s. That's when it's when it's cold out and you make a nice grilled cheese. I had some tortilla soup, soup. Mm. The, the, the night before I had what I had when I couldn't eat anything. I had the juice from the tortilla soup, not the the corn and everything else. Because, you know, corn and colonoscopies don't go together well, I don't, I don't believe. But the juice was good. You know what else? Put it in a strainer. That what was else doesn't awful. go good with colonoscopy? Chipotle burrito. Probably oh. oh, sorry. That has corn in it. Yeah, but that gunpowder get rid of it all, believe me. <laughs> It'll take it a matter of minutes, and it'll be just nothing. It'll be water. Almost breakfast time now, fella. Tap the brakes. Oh, boy. We'll pick this up on the other side. Also hear from Sark. I piece of audio from that Pivot podcast that he did with the, with Ryan Clark and those guys. It'll get you fired up. I think if you're a Longhorn fan, make you feel pretty optimistic about where they are. Headed into the spring game on Saturday. It's B&E on the Horn.